Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, how is your Monday morning? We're going to get it started off right with Dr. Andy. Dr. Andy's going to adjust your attitude. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> That's a good one, right? We can adjust adjust your attitude with the chiropractor. Dr. Andy. Dr. Andy, how did your um how did your live go last week? Your QA live on YouTube, uh affectionately known as ScrewTube, but that's okay. Um you don't have to say that because they've censored so many people. We're gonna talk a little bit about censorship too. But uh Dr. Andy is over there on Dr. Andy's world. What happened over on QA night last week? Um, as it, it always seems to, we circle back to kitties and, you know, oh like my you, goodness. I know, like you say, and I say, I'm like, okay, cats are like aliens. Like they're very different. <laughs> Don't know all the things about kitties, but we had a couple kitty questions. Um, one about this resorptive tooth stuff that they do. What is that? Yeah. They use, um, they actually, people can do it and dogs do it, but cats do it dynamically. And they use their odontoclasts um, and they break down the dentin under the enamel in their teeth and it becomes very painful. Ow. Yeah. And nobody knows why they're doing this. Well, we could probably suspect diet, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of my, the questions was, I, and this woman transitioned a cat she adopted at age seven from kibble to raw, which I gave her like big kudos, massive kudos for, because that can be a very difficult journey with kitties. And she's like, is this going to change, you know, the teeth thing? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's a damn good start. Right. Yeah. So I wonder how she, did she uh, break down? How does she did that transition? No. And what somebody else asked, so maybe I'll email her back and ask her how she did that. Maybe she's got some really good pointers in there for people. Right. Because you can't just starve a kitty out. Not good for those guys. We don't even Mm -hmm. suggest fasting the cats. Mm -hmm. So what do you do if your cat says not going to do it? Not going to make me. Yeah. Well, and kitties love that, right? You're not going to make me. One of the tips I got somewhere along my way was you actually stick like the raw food in these weird places around the house and the cats, <laughs> then the cats think they're like getting into something they're not supposed to get into. And that might do it. Like you really have to work with your kitties. Like they are, they're unique. They're unique. I don't know. Maybe we should talk with like some cat trainers, like the big cats, right? Like, cause those guys don't eat kibble. If you go to the zoo, Mm-mm. they're they're throwing in steaks aren't they yeah i think it's dead people i mean like they're chopping them up and just throwing them in there okay. i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> there's a that movie called soylent green where like they're killing people or people are dying oh, they're feeding God. it back to people 
somebody was just talking about that movie the other day and I'm like, say what? Like never even heard of it. Like, like not, not a show you want to watch as you're going to bed. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. Right. I, I had this weird dream this morning as I was waking up. Cause I do this. Do you dream? Uh-huh. Yeah. I dream. And I always have all the time. And typically like I can dream and then wake up and go back to sleep and, and pick it back up. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm very talented in a lot of ways, but um, I was having this dream that my husband, like he only had a half an arm up to his, his um, elbow, but because his elbow was showing in this window, he got his knife out and he was like cutting his arm off. I was like, it was so gross. I was like, what in the world is that all about? What are you processing for that? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I, I need a dream expert, but if you get into that, I don't know if you've ever done this, uh, Dr. Andy, but if you get into like, what do your dreams mean and all this kind of stuff? Whoa, what a rabbit hole. Yeah. That might be why I've never gone down it too much. It's like, I, it's, yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. Arm being cut off and gr- this is gross. I have a hard enough time getting through my day. I don't really need to analyze the night. Like <laughs> we're just going to go forward. <laughs> Well, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about your days. You know, one of the great things about chiropractic work is that you can work on animals from birth to death. I mean, really. Um, And I was thinking about puppies. You know, a lot of people don't think about bringing their puppies in. You've you've talked about that, you know, birth is is pretty traumatic, right? But I was reading uh, a little bit about chiropractic for puppies and it was saying that puppies' pelvises can be asymmetrical after birth, causing unequal weight distribution that can lead to severe lameness as the dog ages. Now, right there would make me say, I'm taking my puppy in to see Dr. Andy. What do you think about? Oh, absolutely. I've tried for years and years and years to get my hands on as many puppies as I can, and people are just not going for it. Because if we get them early, like I do, I have a breeder up here at Evergreen. She brings in every litter and has for, I don't even know how many years we've been doing this, six, seven, eight years Wow. between six and eight weeks. So they're very mushy, right? Their growth plates aren't fused. They're still going to grow. And so there's not a lot of work on my part, but it's amazing what we, what we find. We find some jaw stuff. We find some pelvis stuff. We'll find like a theme through the whole litter. Like they all seem to have this right shoulder something or other. It's fascinating. And sometimes I'm like, okay, which one was this? The first, was this the last one that's been squished in there? And she can, she'll look up what order the, the dog was born. And yep. You can tell when the ones are squished and, you know, and the, it's, it, and she'll even hand me some that are like, oh, this one's very whiny. What's going on with this one? Mm. It's been amazing, but yeah, let get your puppies in because then they grow up with that pelvis not rotated. That pelvis is not actually fused. It actually moves. There's actually a cartilage joint, your pubic symphysis. We have it, your dogs have it. And so, yeah, we can't, I can assess that and adjust that. Um, Especially, especially your giant breeds. They have so much growing to do that if we get them adjusted and get them balanced, they do it a lot better. So if they come in between six and eight weeks and you adjust them, 
Are they going to go home and roughhouse and throw themselves back out of whack? Probably. So they need to come back. Yeah, they need to come back. Um, But it's a damn good start. And I don't know what I'm really changing down the line, right? I could be changing something that would have shown up as a shoulder limp at age five. I don't know. And we don't know how much holds and how much better they're able to play and how much better their nervous system is working so they don't injure themselves when they go home. But yeah, they should come back. Um, If, gosh, two or three times that first year would probably be life-saving down the line for those joints in that nervous system. You think if these puppies get adjusted early on that there's less chance that they're going to have a CCL tear? That's a great question. But there's diet yes, in there too. There, and oh there's gosh, and there's early spay, spay and neuter. neuter. Early spay neuter and diet. Those are your two big con- contributors to that. But if we, let's say, adjust them at seven weeks, and we upregulate that nervous system and we get that brain talking to that rear better than it was before. Why not? That, that probably contributes. I couldn't tell you how much, but yeah, why wouldn't that contribute? Yeah. That, that, I mean, just all of that right there would be enough to say I'm taking my puppy in, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am buying a uh, insurance policy for down the road. So you do chiropractic, mm-hmm. you do, um, you wait, wait, to spay and neuter. And I'm going to get what age you think in a second, but also get them on a species appropriate diet. Um, And so much uh, we're going to talk about why it's even more important now to not feed kibble. But um, what do you, what age do you think that it's best to wait until spay or neutering occurs? Um, Generally speaking, after the first heat in females, and anywhere between 18 months to two years in boys. Yeah. But it does depend on how big of a dog you have. Yeah. I even say two to three years. I push it out. Now, Lozzie is four and she's not been spayed. And people are like, oh, it's so dark. It's so messy. No, you. we have the cute little panties. Mm-hmm. They're all colors. And the cheetah print and leopard print. And, and they're very easy to put on. Does she poop and pee in her panties sometimes? Sometimes if she gets outside mm-hmm. uh, before, you know, I get the panties off. But, you know, yeah. it's worth it to me because this dog to me is extremely well balanced and healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to continue to because I want her with me as long as possible. Absolutely. And those hormones are incredibly important. And if you can handle the, the heat cycles, you know, no big deal. I only waited for one with Molly Brown. Um, and but she's a whole six pounds and that, mm. and that was not my thing. I'm like, uh, I like boy dogs. <laughs> I, I, that's not my thing. So I'm gonna have boy dogs. Now I have this little torchy in the house and he needs to keep his balls and his hormones as long as possible because he's got other health things going on but he's a little stinky a little stinky boy you know he gets a little drippy we gotta do a little wipey wipey (laughs) oh yep yep these things happen Um, but yeah and i'm gonna looking forward what am i gonna do i don't know but he needs those hormones and he needs those balls as long as possible and he's super sweet and he potties outside and so far we're not having anything going along with that so isn't that weird that uh we are so conditioned about the spay and neuter i think bob barker did that to us on truth or consequences (laughs) he was always saying spay and neuter your dogs but anyway 
Well, it's hard, right? That whole world of rescue and shelters and all of that. And there are so many stupid people on the planet that don't know what to do with their animals that are not spayed and neutered. Then we have all these puppies and we have other things that go with, I mean, it's, it's, I don't, it's, it's a hard argument. I don't, I don't know what to do about all that, but if you are a responsible pet owner and you are looking at the health and longevity of your pet, you need to hold off on the spay and neuter. Do not listen to your veterinarians that are still sprouting six to seven months. Especially six to eight weeks i mean come on some well, of them are doing it really early not generally not your veterinarians that's your rescues and your shelters oh yeah i have this great dane he walks on stilts because he was neutered at eight weeks that is criminal in my book for a great dane criminal is that going to affect your six pound chihuahua not as much when it comes to bone growth gotcha but you so. know what? I've just never seen people get so irate and so mad when they see a set of balls. Oh, they do, don't they? They're like, that dog. <laughs> I have clients, and if there's a client before them and their dog is unaltered and they're like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what is what is it? You can't see them? You don't want to see them? Um, don't let the balls make you mad. I mean, <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> That's oh, and if you have you seen some of the rescues and shelters? This is hysterical. They're neutering dogs and then they're tattooing them. So you know that the dog's been neutered. What do they say? No, it's just a little green line. But if you're missing balls, doesn't that mean you're neutered? You can't tell. You can't just uh. look and see. You have to see. <laughs> Wait, you have no balls. But let me see if you got the green line because I'm not certain. Maybe that they're may- hidden. It makes sense on spaying, right? Because you can't see. But I'm just like, really? Really? We need to help out people that much these days. Mm. But okay, that's that, just. That's scary. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's super really? scary. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people don't like to read anymore. Um, and, you know, very, very, you know, little information. You, you guys, we've got to fight against that. We really do. Because. If, if let's just say the powers that be know that we aren't going to read, we aren't going to investigate, we aren't going to research. Well, what can get by us? A sphincter load of stuff. Yes. Right. A sphincter load of stuff. You know, I was looking, uh, this is very frightening to me and it should be frightening to everyone because it could come to a state near you. But, you know, California is really... Um, they have laid down this sanctioning their doctors, sanctioning their state medical boards. Um, well, actually what they're doing is they're using their state medical boards to silence their doctors. And what they are doing is saying, if you're going against the narrative, then they're going to label that as misinformation. And they want to try to take your license away. Now, this is unconstitutional. Obviously, and Dr. Jaffe is out there uh, working uh, January 1st, this 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 sort of sanctioning of the doctors came about January 1st of this year. So think about it. We had all of these doctors that didn't want to speak out and talk about the efficacy of ivermectin or other drugs um, that were on the market that could assist without a lot of toxins going in your body. Um I would hate to be in California and have a medical problem because your doctor has to toe the party line. 
And the party line is the pharmaceutical industry I'm speaking of here. So very, very frightening um, if that comes here. Um, I'm wondering what they would do to the raw dog food industry. Right. Right. They're already, we already know that the World Economic Forum, and this is not a conspiracy theory, they are absolutely pushing lab grown meat. They are Mm -hmm. absolutely pushing that meat is bad for your health. Mm -hmm. Um, So, what, you know, we can expect that the dogs are going to get a triple dose of bad information and bad advice. It's very possible. It's very scary. Mm -hmm. So, we have to. Um, start reading again. <laughs> we have to start paying attention again, right? We cannot zone out. We cannot zone out um, because this is going to be very, very dangerous for us and for our pets. And in your email that you sent out this last week, Dr. Andy, you were talking about um, something that was very disturbing that you found out about. And this is... <laughs> What AAFCO is allowing to be added to livestock feed. Now, first of all, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about AAFCO. Then, then we'll then we'll hit on what this group is allowing um, our pet parents to do. We have people that call all the time or text or email, and they want to add. They want to know: Is your food AAFCO compliant? To which I say, Hell no. Hell no. And they're like, what? What? Right. Oh my right. God. Right. Now, who are these AAFCO people? Whether a private corporation, they are not a government regulatory agency. Okay. They are not a government regulatory agency. They do write pet food labeling guidelines. Um, they do establish feed ingredient definitions, and they do establish the guidelines for feeding trials. But who are they really, Dr. Andy? <laughs> well, I don't actually really know. All I know is they are made up of the local, state, or federal um, people. Um, they also represent big food, big pharma. And a lot of those regulations that they get they get to vote on benefits them monetarily. Yes, because they're made up of major manufacturers with industries who have incredibly large influence on how the regulations for their own industry are established. So wouldn't it be great, Dr. Andy, if there was a governing body that said, if you're going to get this puppy, you must go see Dr. Andy from the beginning of its life to the end of its life. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. That'd be but... great for your business. Yep. And and you could be on that um on that team of AAFCO and and write all the reasons why this needs to be, you know, mm-hmm. a regulatory but nobody would make any money off of that, Didi. No, 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 no. You have to have some sort of, <laughs> that's right. Only you. Um, Only me. Yeah. Which is fine. But, um, you know, y- you want most, most of our pet parents, I would assume, you know, hate to assume, mm-hmm. but most of our pet parents want to feed their pets food that is not only nutritionally balanced and complete, 
but doesn't contain substances which are potentially harmful for their pets, which leads me to your email that you sent out. And I didn't even know this until I read it from you. Tell our uh, pet parents, what the heck is going on now that is so incredibly ridiculous? So I guess um, AFCO or AAFCO has, what, two meetings a year? I'm not that familiar with how they function. Um, and I was looking for a topic, you know, running through what maybe everybody would like to know. And I'm on Con Dr. Connor Brady's Facebook page and I come across this post and I don't know who this person is in particular, but she was talking about how AFCO is now, they approved the addition of this company that will give people containers that they put in their home and they put trash in it. And then this company comes by and picks up these containers and then that trash is will be fed to livestock. And this was approved in the January meeting by AFCO as okay feed for our livestock. And so then I went to the truth about what is her truth pet about food. pet pet food, Susan. Um Fixin. Thank you. Fixin. And she was actually at the meeting and she wrote this whole big article about what was approved, what wasn't approved. She, she kind of highlighted it. And I did, um, I asked every, all my readers to go and take 10 minutes and read that whole article on what AFCO is up to. And it was this, this new company and who knows how new it is. They've probably been piloting for God knows how long, right. Is allowed to put containers in people's homes and then trash can go in there. So what kind of trash? God only knows, right? Paper, all right. Plastics, medications, what's in there? And then that goes to the livestock. And everyone's like, oh God, thank God. It's not going to go in the kibble then. It's not going <laughs> to my dogs. Not really people, that goes into our food chain. And then depending on what animals are slaughtered, where you get your meat, you could be eating meat that was fed trash. Those animals that are slaughtered that go in the kibble could be fed trash. You cannot tell me those are um, vital nutrient dense animals if they're eating trash. Well, you said that um, uh, household waste, and and what you said was this includes foil, plastic, medications, broken glass. Mm -hmm. Which is, I the, mean, I'd rather have the broken glass than the medications. Who's going to go through this trash once they pick it up? You know, I worked for waste management in my career at one time. Yep, mm -hmm. I sure did. I sure did. Those landfills are nasty. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, this is this is incredible. So you think about it. They who, who's the trash police? Well, right. Who, who's, right. Like, just think about what you throw in your trash. So right? like it could be anything and you're actually, your medications are not supposed to go in your trash people. There's actually pickups in your neighbor, in your communities to donate your um, medications back to them. Just I saying. wonder what, what is the basis for this? Did you, did, what is the, nobody said, I did not find that. So yeah. Whose idea? Like why, why? Right. Is it that they're trying to kill off our food supply? Are they trying to make them sick? Are they trying to contaminate it even more than they already have? 
what is going on here? I mean, if I'm wrong, somebody speak up and and let me know what the good part of this is because I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Unless it just feeds the bottom line. <laughs> I, but yeah, I no pun intended. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who would come up with this. Like, I, I don't get it. It just boggles my brain. There seems to be more and more craziness going on. Just absolute sphincter news all over the place. It it is it it, it is unreal. So yeah, I I would like to know who's going to monitor, right? Who's putting this mm-hmm. in your household? Because you think about it, we have trash cans, right? You have your um your recycle bins, and then you have your trash bins, right? So we switched over to a new company um, and we were watching and both those bins went in the same hopper. We were like, how's that working? Why am I even recycling if that recycling is going in the trash? So we asked that question and they said, well, we don't have a recycling program. And what I have found, (laughs) yeah, duh. And what I found is that there are some cities and some municipalities that don't have the funds, don't have the resources to actually do a recycling program. And you have to wonder, are we really recycling out there? Well, that's the rumor, right? Right. That that we may have a recycling bin, but it just goes in with everything else. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a weird process. Now, this was back, obviously, in the 80s. When I was working for waste management, eighties, early nineties, um, and and they, you know, the trucks would come in and they would have a section where they would dump all the recycling, and they would have human beings going through there and separating out that stuff. Oh, so, wow. like pulling the cans out, pulling the plastic out, and actually putting that. But the question is, did they find out? at a certain time that there was real, no real money in that because it's all going to be about money, yeah. right? It's all about money all the time. So I don't know, but this is, mm-hmm. this is very troubling to me because you think about um, people worry. This is so funny. If they're not worried about this, this is crazy. People worry about uh, the microbes or the bacteria in raw dog food. Right. You're not worried about this. I know. Right. This is okay. And why would that be okay? Because somebody, some governing body that's up there in the ethos that you can't see, you don't know who they are. They're behind the clouds. They're like, oh yeah, this is okay. Well, they, they who? Mm-hmm. Let's reveal the they, shall we? I'd like to reveal the they. That's very frightening. Very, yes. very, very, very frightening. You know what else I, I was looking at uh, today? was again in Dr. Brady's book and it's news that we're all talking about it, but it's a good book. There's a lot of stuff in it. Um, he was talking about bloat and, and torsion. And, you know, one of the things that he was really um, pointing out was, yes, we've talked about these deep barreled uh, large breeds that tend to have these issues going on. But in his research, what he's really found is that plant matter, Dr. Andy, plant matter is feeding the microbes 
that are causing off gassing, basically causing gas in, 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 in the, uh, in the uh, dogs. Right. So not only is it the high sugar and, and it's dry, but he was talking about these large amounts of plant matter. So he was saying, you know, think about it when, and, and he goes, and these are microbes farting. That's what he said. My, I'm like, that's funny. That that's funny. funny. But think about it in 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 the human side, right? So, um, if you eat broccoli, if you eat um, cauliflower, if you eat a lot of plant material, a lot of times mm-hmm. you're going to have gas. Yep. So, why are we putting all this plant material in dry dog food? And honestly, if I've had um, some clients where the dog is still struggling going to raw and I'm like, pull all the veggies Mm -hmm. just for now, because they, you have to use different enzymes and different microbes to digest meat versus vegetables and fruit. Mm -hmm. I, I do some of it, but it's not mixed in their food all the time. And it's only certain ones. And I usually only do one at a time. Because, and that's random. They mostly are on a keto meat, fat based diet. And sometimes pulling that out is helpful because they just can't handle digesting them because they, they digest differently. But that's very interesting. I didn't know that because, but there was always the rumor or the comment or the occasional article that raw fed dogs don't tend to bloat. And, well, and that and, now we have a little bit more information on that. Yeah. 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 So he, he was saying this, that really, if, if you are going to give your dog these, this plant matter, it should be no more than 3%, no more than 3%. Yeah. Right. Um. So, but well, he said, listen, that wild dogs, wild dogs eat as little as 3% plant matter when left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said that dry pet foods start around 2% crude fiber and then range upward from there. However, the crude fiber measure pertains only to the amount of indigestible fiber in the mix. Um, so he he just gives such great information. And, um, you know, we, I, there's so many reasons why you wouldn't feed kibble, right? Number one, dry. Number two, high in sugar. Number three, high in plant matter. Number four, synthetics, preservatives. And number five, because they're probably feeding them trash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the food chain is not full of trash. Right? Literally. Right? Yeah. It's so, it's so, so crazy. And, I get it. A lot of people are saying, well, I can't afford raw. Uh, I ran into a little uh, sweet girl yesterday who has two Rotties, right? She's a college student. She has two Rotties. Mm-hmm. Um, and and these are these are large dogs, right? So um, would you call a Rottie a medium or a large? No, large. Yeah. Yeah. Large dog. And um, I get it. You know, she said, I want the best. I want them here. Um, but I'm a college student and I can't afford to feed raw. So she's doing half kibble. Yeah. Half raw. A half, half. Yeah. And there's a, there's still a lot of companies out there that will say, Hey, a little's better than none. Yeah. I, I, you know, I gotta go with it. A little is better than none. Mm -hmm. But if you have problems, don't call me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't call Dee Dee. 
don't call me because if you have problems, you got to take out the kibble, Andy. Come on. And I actually have, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen Riggs? Have you seen my Doberman? No, I have not seen the Dobie. He has one of the largest chest cavities I have ever seen on a dog. (laughs) He is huge. And so when um, I got him neutered at 18 months because his balls had to go. He, I mean, we made it 18 months in five days and I'm like, cut them off. He was difficult and he had just started marking in my house. I'm like, oh my God. And so we got him neutered and I asked the vet, I'm like, can you tack his stomach at the time? She's like, well, I can, but it's going to be about an eight inch scar down his stomach. And I'm like, uh, no, we're not doing that because scar tissue can cause a lot of stuff that people don't even think of and cause a lot of issues. And so we didn't have his stomach tacked, which is when they just hook it to, I think it's the falciform ligament of the liver. And then as a chiropractor, I'm like, wow, what does that do? Like if it's hanging onto the liver and yanking onto the liver, and then we're involving those, um, those thoracics, probably the lower thoracics in the mid back. And is that going to cause nerve interruption? You know, just my chiropractic brain. So he didn't get tacked um, and he's raw fed. And we actually do have a rule in our house. There's no rough housing after we eat. We, we all just chill after we eat. And I have to remind my husband to this day that we don't rough house after we eat, but anyway. And then he ate we had a foreign body removal when he was four or five. And I asked the vet then, I'm like, can you tack him? Since you're in there, you're already cutting him open about six inches. So we ended up with that scar anyway, but, and she's like, well, I'd rather not because everything's very inflamed. We don't tend to do that. I was so appreciative that that's, that's what she told me. I was very grateful and said, oh yeah, we can do that too. She's like, I don't like to do that. So he is not tacked. And I'm not saying you do tact or you don't tact or whatever, um, but we've never he's we've never had any GI issues, um, and he's a very good eater and he's always done well with his food even after that surgery. Um, and so I'm very grateful. So I think every case is different, but to just to go in have an eight inch incision that you may or may not have issues with, um, along with what are the ramifications of tacking. But if you have a dog that occasionally bloats, even though maybe you are feeding raw and all that, maybe that's something to consider because it's the torsion that cuts off all the blood supply and kills intestines and the survival rate's not great on that. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. It's not very high. Um, But here's the thing. Um, You can have bloat without the torsion, right? You can have bloat in a dog without that. uh, Flipping, yes. Well, the twisting, yeah, yes. of the of the stomach, and I think the liver is um, uh, involved in that. Okay, mm-hmm. now this may be—I don't know how I would do this—but in Doctor Brady's book, he was saying, "Look, if you, if this happens, right, if your dog goes into a an actual torsion situation, and you can't get into the vet," mm-hmm. he said. You may have to perform a procedure yourself at home to release the gas. And it involves a sharp knife. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. Yes. I'm like, okay. Wow. Now, yeah. what what are the symptoms? The symptoms of um, are a dog standing motionless, reluctant to sit down, 
or maybe having trouble getting comfortable doing a lot of stretching with his front legs, head down, bum in the air. Now, we recently had a dog that was doing this a lot and it wasn't anything like that. So there are other reasons why a dog is going to do the down dog. But this is, um, you would hear a lot of gurgling coming from his rock hard stomach. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you were to thump on it, it would sound like a hollow thump. And um, he may not be in pain at this point, but if he's doing excessive panting, he's extremely restless, he's trying to defecate or vomit. Yeah, you got to get him in to the vet pretty darn quick. Um, okay, now go ahead. I did have a other Doberman that did blow and twist on me. And I had to call him the bed. He was drinking a lot of water. Mm, mm -hmm. That was what he was doing. And then about an hour and a half. So we're talking like, you know, maybe 1130 or so PM. He made the worst honking noise I've ever heard out of a dog. Like just sit straight up in bed. He was just kind of that. I don't even, I call it honking, but like probably clearing his throat, trying maybe to vomit like and my husband goes, go back to sleep. I'm like, I'm sitting straight up in bed. That is not a go back to sleep noise. Like, what are you thinking? And I turn on the lights and he was literally twice his size. Ugh. Yeah. I'm like, put your pants on. We're going. And as we're going to the ER, sounds like, you're going to tell me what we're going for. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even, I just got everybody situated and we left the house. Um, and yeah. So there are, he was twice the size. There was lots of drinking. There was, so yeah, there's a lot of signs and symptoms. And um, that's one of the few times that I packed up and immediately went to the vet in the middle of the night. And he was okay. No. Um, <laughs> we got there immediately. I told Sean, I go, cause they called the vet in. This was when Evergreen actually had an ER um, and tech got him started. I'm like, okay, if the new grad walks through that door, we're not even doing the surgery. We're not doing it. But um, Dr. Terry Stevens walked in the door and he owned the clinic 30 years experience. So we did the surgery. Great man. He has since passed away. Um, and the dog made it through surgery. He ended up being such a nervous Nelly and so nervous that the day at the vet just, I forget the name of it, but um the bl red blood cells stopped clotting and he, he ended up essentially bleeding out. So he oh, actually, no. yeah, he ended up passing away. It, he made it through bloat and torsion. <laughs> um, we actually should have just brought him home much sooner and gotten him calm and he might've been okay, but who knows? Um, so it was, it was a rough road there with Caesar. Um, but he was not raw fed. He was kibble fed and in yeah. So mm. it was sad, but that some of the other signs and symptoms I saw with him yeah. and get your butt to the ER. That was our daughter's very first surgery as she came out of vet school. She was in a clinic in uh, Moab and she was the only one there. She had to do it. Yeah. She had to do it. And then the dog survived, but she was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, here's my very first because stomach surgery. and intestines, those are very sensitive organs and yeah. So I want to tell you about this because this may uh, this may make you feel better and, and let Sean do what he wants to do uh, with your dogs. Because in Dr. Brady's book, he says this, 
they can find no validation for some of the more popular but yet to be verified hypotheses for GDV in dogs. Okay, that's the torsion stuff, including, okay, they can't find any real um, evidence that the speed of how a dog eats affects whether they will have any of this these problems or not. Um, the bowl height, um, you know, they, they say, um, you know, people thought that these giant dogs uh, should be offered a high fed station to help with their, um, you know, digestion. They said they can find no, nothing to, to really substantiate that. Um, and he said, Similarly, allowing dogs to rest after a meal does not affect the risk of GDV. They find no link between the timing, duration, or intensity, whether before or after exercise. Okay, there you go. Now, right after I read this and you go and play with your dog and something's going to happen, then you can back yes. I'm just reading what Dr. Brady said here. That's awesome. And I th think we're still going to keep the household rule of just, you know, 20, 30 minutes of chill. <laughs> but 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 he did say this. Um, he said he did poll more than 100 owners of dogs that did suffer a torsion episode. And he learned that in excess of 80 percent of the episodes happen more than an hour after a meal, okay. just when they expect the stomach to begin emptying into okay. the intestines. And that's where he said that eating a meal containing a lot of plant fiber, okay, like beans, lentils, raw vegetables, produces excess gas. You are encouraging the multiplication of certain groups of bacteria. And a byproduct of their activity is bacteria farts. That's what he says. Bacteria farts, which build up gas inside the system. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Now, there's a lot of information in this section on carbohydrates. Uh, and he said, you know, the actual spark for GDV may still elude us, but he said they're honing in on the most aggravating factor for bloat gas in dogs. And it's the dietary ingredients that encourage the growth of these bacterial communities that in turn increase the gas in the system. Very cool. Okay. Makes makes perfect sense. Makes once, perfect once, sense. Once he lays it out, makes perfect sense. Yeah. So if we're not doing, you know, a buttload of these vegetables that are increasing the bacterial farting, mm -hmm. do you have bacterial farting? This would be a good commercial. Do you have bacterial farting? It may cause the <laughs> funny. Next time Sean doesn't want to eat bro broccoli, I'm going to be like, that's because of the bacterial farting. You don't it? want to fart, do you, babe? <laughs> Even after all these years, right? Well, uh, all right, everybody, listen, you can get over and do a consult with Dr. Andy. And, I, you know, one of the things that I think is really great is that people are able to come and have a consult with you about the benefits of chiropractic. And one thing that I think that we've um, uncovered, pointed out, brought to our pet parents' attention is that there are many medical things 
that may be going on with your dog that you want to talk to Dr. Andy about, could I do a chiropractic adjustment and help this situation? Right. Maybe you're in another state. You're not able to come and get, you know, the hands on work from Dr. Andy, but you can do a consult where she can advise you. Right. Because I think a lot of people have maybe thought, well, chiropractic for dogs is just, you know, if they're out of line. No, there's a lot of um, dietary things that can be solved, a lot of mental things that can be solved along with the adjustments. Would I be saying that correctly, Dr. Andy? You would be. I agree a hundred percent. And so you 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 can have this conversation. Um, you can talk to Dr. Andy about not only the nutritional side, but the physical and the mental side and the structural side of your yes. dog. And one of the things I I love doing with people is decoding what their veterinarians are doing. I'm like, they're doing this because they're looking for this result, mm. but we could do this by this way. Um, because a lot of people don't have the medical background to know why they're getting, you know, what does this pill do? I mean, it's fascinating to me how people leave with four different bottles of pills and I'm like, what are you taking? And what, for what reason? And they have no idea what they're giving their animals. And so we go through all the mechanisms and why they're doing this and what to expect and if you're not seeing that, why are you continuing with pills? Not that I'm telling you to stop, but this is where you got to start educating yourself and being smarter about working with conventional medicine. Well, in conventional medicine, as we know, they don't get to the root of the problem. No, no. Okay. They're not going to get to the not. root of the problem. So I think one of the great things about doing a consult with you is that you're looking for the root cause and you're telling them how to look for the root cause, mm -hmm. not put a Band-Aid on it because that Band-Aid is going to bust off and we're going to have problems down the line. Yep. yep. Big yep. problems, right? Yes. You can only shove symptoms down so far before something else comes to a head. You know, I, I, and before you go, I want to ask you this quick question. I was talking to someone the other day who said that their Frenchie had to have back surgery and that that back surgery was extremely expensive because he had jumped and broken his back. Now, have you had cases where people think that they have to have back surgery when they actually don't? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, all the time over 20 years. I mean, it's not a weekly thing, but a lot. And a lot of times it requires a lot of patience out of pet parents. And that is what conventional medicine has none of. They have no patience, right? Here's your symptom. Here's your pill. Oh, your dachshund's not walking. Oh, we need to do surgery tomorrow. Not necessarily. Like, are they peeing on their own? Are they pooping on their own? I mean, what's going on? Have you tried around a steroid medication and not just three days? Do they respond to that? If they're responding to that. Then you, you know, we can go a little bit farther with palliative care adjustments, acupuncture, laser. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've met quite a few wiener dogs that have not been walking and then walking without surgery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had and one. I, yeah, you had one. I had one person yeah. too. Yeah. So, but it, it requires patience and it requires pet parents to be really solid in their conviction of what they want to do with their animals and not to be swayed. 
not to be swayed by me, not to be swayed by the surgeon. Like, what do you want to do with your animals? And that's what I really want people. You know, your animals best. What are you willing and not willing to do with and for them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that a lot of people don't realize they have other options. Absolutely not. Because they're not offered. Right. So the neurologists these days drive me bonkers, people and animal, because they're like, need an MRI. I'm like, well, yeah, but not everybody can afford that for their dog. And you know what? You could do um, steroid therapy and see what changes too, but that's not even offered these days. And that that's old school. That's where everybody started when the dogs weren't walking or they were seeing stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how much just in with our team that you can um, step outside of that conventional box, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you've you've got Dr. Andy, you've got Neely, you've got uh, Dr. Jasek, and these are all different areas of the animal, right? And I think a lot of people, the first thing that they see is a dog that's limping or not walking or something is kind of crazy going on with their body, right? This is where I think that your lives are amazing, but certainly a consult with you where you can review the medical records. You can review um, any kind of x-rays or things like that. And you can really get a different perspective, a different perspective from Dr. Andy. Well, and Dr. Judy and Neely, like these are different eyeballs. You even, you know, you look at things differently, right? These are just a different set of eyeballs that read it differently, look at it differently, have different experiences. So yeah, what it what is your saying? Second opinion is your first what? The first step is a second opinion. There you go. That. Yeah, you can use it. You can use okay. that. <laughs> if I can remember it, I can use it. Your first step is a second opinion. Well, your first step is to get over to Dr. Andy's lives that happen every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. over at YouTube. It's called Dr. Andy's World, A-N-D-I. And to get over to get a consult with Dr. Andy, you're going to go to AnimalMagicCare.com. AnimalMagicCare.com. Yes, it's the whole thing spelled out just like you heard it. Uh, Right? Yeah. So get over there and get yourself. um, You can see Dr. Andy. You can visit with her. Bring your questions. If she doesn't know, she's going to go Mm -hmm. find out. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Because we got a team. I have a team. Yeah. We're not (laughs) blowing smoke up your sphincter. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're no. here. We're here to help you help your pet. So get over to Dr. Andy's World or to AnimalMagicCare.com. Make sure that you get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. Remember, every Thursday night, we have Yappy Hour right here at Raw Dog Food and Company. It's from 6 p.m. to midnight. We have a chat uh, button. We have an I'm Overwhelmed button. But get your dog away from the trashy kibble. All right. And Literally. Please, and please, pet, right? And let's don't, I let, I just have to encourage pet parents to not get involved in this. Let's grab my trash and put it in the livestock feed. I mean, come on. If we all hang together and say, I'm not feeding my dog trash. More trash. My, more <laughs> trash. And I'm not feeding myself trash. Right. Right. It gets in your food too. Yes. 
All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the Raw Dog Food Truth podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends to get over here, send your questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Raw Dog Food Truth. Go to Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.